It's Monday, August 21st, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes. Uh, Hoynesy, pretty much disastrous weekend for the uh, Guardians against the Tigers, a four-game series. They come away with only one win. Uh, the bright spot for the weekend was inducting Manny Ramirez into the Guardians Hall of Fame. We'll get to that in a little bit. But right now, uh, this team uh, could use an off day like they have today uh, because pretty much the sky is falling around them. Uh, they are, uh, what, uh, 14 and 21 since the All-Star break, uh, 7 and, and 15 uh, just in their last uh, 22 games. Uh, what do you make of what happened to this team uh, against Detroit? Uh, and let's get into just just how they wound up losing this series. Yeah, Joe, you know, we were talking last week on our podcast saying how vital this series was. Uh, this was, uh, you know, a time for them to, uh, you know, be to, you know, to, uh, you know, win instead of to win, take three out of four games instead of lose three out of four games against a team that's chasing them that they but they're, you know, they have a better record then because the rest of the schedule is really tough. And that this turned out this was not a soft spot in the schedule. The Tigers, you know, beat them up. Basically, they're seven and three against Cleveland this year. And when, uh, you know, you look back on this season, when Cleveland does and uh, they end up in third place, perhaps, you know, this is this is one of the reasons why they couldn't they couldn't hold off the Tigers. The Tigers yeah. beat them with power. They beat them early with power and they wasted, you know, some really good, uh, you know, starting pitching. Yeah, that's uh, the young starting pitchers for Cleveland actually put them in positions to win. Uh, almost every game, uh, you know, you, you've got to allow for, for Logan Allen to, to be able to go out there and give up an early home run and and still figure out a way to put some runs on the board so that he's not on the hook for a loss uh, later on in the game. Uh, he, you know, he settles in and, and, and gives you six solid innings. And, uh, you know, Tanner Bybee does the same thing. Uh, and, and Gavin Williams pitched pitch pretty well. Uh, throughout this this series, they they gave Cleveland opportunities to to win. The offense just didn't come through for them. Yeah, uh, Williams, Xavier Curry, uh, Bybee, and Logan Allen were a combined 0 for three, Joe, with a 3.68 ERA. So I mean, they did a pretty good job. Uh, but uh, you know, Bybee suffers his first loss in what ten ten straight uh, starts. Uh, I think seven straight. He had a seven game winning streak, or a, what? No, maybe yeah, seven nine, game. It was, it was nine starts and hadn't lost, and yeah. you know he, he had uh, he hit seven consecutive winning decisions. Yeah, and you know, so uh, Logan Allen gives up a, what a two run homer in the first inning Sunday. Bybee gives up a three run homer in the uh, first inning Saturday. Um, Curry, uh, you know, kind of retires the side in order on sad on uh, in the uh, what in the uh, the uh, fir- second game of the uh, doubleheader on Friday, uh, but uh, Williams gives up a, a leadoff home run in the first game of the doubleheader on uh, Friday and loses four to two. So I mean, <laughs> it just you know this this team it. It looks, you know, it just looks helpless, defenseless almost offensively, Joe. It just, uh, they, it was not a good weekend. And, you know, I don't see it getting a whole lot better for the, the rest of the way out here. Well, and give credit to Detroit's starting pitching, uh, which, um, with the exception of Eduardo Rodriguez, 
you know, hadn't been all that that outstanding this year. And they come in with, uh, you know, a bunch of left-handers that they throw at them. Uh, Joey Wentz uh, made a, a spot start uh, in the doubleheader on Friday. And, you know, he th- holds them scoreless through five innings. Uh, it, it just looks like they they really are at the mercy of whatever lefty gets out there and, and, and pitches against them uh, offensively. They have no answers for it. Yeah, uh, they are 19 and 26 against left-handed starters. Uh, Rodriguez is 3 and 0 against them, Joe. He's thrown over 20 innings this season against Cleveland and he's allowed one earned run. You know, I was talking to a Tyler Freeman, uh, after Sunday's game and he goes, you know, he doesn't really throw that hard. He just, uh, <laughs> they just can't hit him. You know, I, they just, you know, he's, Really good at his location. You know, he's kind of a veteran, wily, uh, left-handed starter. But, you know, you would think somebody could put the bat in the ball against this guy. He was throwing a no-hitter for three innings until Quan doubled. So, you know, it's just, uh, you know, you, you, you just wonder. you got to go back to the trade deadline, you know, when they traded uh, – you know, uh, uh, Josh Bell and, and, uh, you know, and, uh, Savali and, and, uh, you know, Ahmed okay. Rosario, did they, did they take the heart out of this club? Yeah. And at this point right now, there's, uh, there's no pulse offensively. Uh, you mentioned Quan, he's swinging the bat pretty well, uh, it, it, you know, piling up hits, but again, when you're getting two out hits and the next guy up is, is popping up or grounding out, there's, there's not a, a lot of offensive momentum being created by this uh, this lineup, and you know Tito's made some changes. He's tinkered a little bit. He moved Jose up. He's he's experimenting with different guys in different spots. But uh, again, so far nothing's really clicked and nothing's really stuck. Uh, and and the the part of the schedule that's upcoming is going to be brutal, uh, especially you know you've got L.A. and then Toronto, and then you're facing a uh, a big series next weekend in, um, uh, I mean, in, in Minnesota, and that could be, you know, the end of your season right there. Yeah. You know, they've got six games left against the twins. They're six back right now. And like you said, they've got Tor- uh, the Dodgers in Toronto between, you know, between now and, and when they get to, they, they, they even play the twins. So, you know, this is, uh, I don't know. This is this is a critical part of the season, obviously. But listen to some of these averages, Joe. Uh, Gabriel Arias is hitting is eight for fifty. He's hitting one sixty. Brennan's seven for forty one. He's hitting one seventy one. Ramirez is hitting one ninety six. Eleven for fifty six. Uh, Naylor's six for thirty eight. Uh, even Quan is fifteen for sixty six. Uh, him and uh, 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 Gonzo, uh, Oscar Gonzalez is 0 for 14. They're, they're, they're not getting any power. They're not getting any production up and down the lineup. Yeah. And it, it, were those uh, numbers for just August or were those for? Those were through yesterday. Through you know, yesterday. Through, yeah. Through yesterday. And, uh, yeah, just, uh, you know, the, the, the streaks these guys are on. Yeah. That's, uh, that's a tough way when you, you know, you understand why. You're not hitting the ball out of the ballpark, and you're not getting anybody on base. You're not scoring runs. You're not producing runs, and that's uh, there's there's no you know hope for that until you know somebody like a Josh Naylor can come back. Uh, we got an update on Naylor uh, a couple of times over the weekend. Uh, what's the latest on Josh and and where he is in his progression from from coming back from that oblique injury? 
Yeah, Chris Antonetti, uh, you know, the the president of baseball operations, talked to reporters on Sunday before Sunday's game, said that Josh is, uh, you know, was in the cage hitting. He's taking ground balls. He's making progress, but there was still really no uh, definite deadline on when he might, you know, be able to come back from that strained uh, right oblique muscle. And uh, as far as uh, pitching help and pitching depth and, you know, you're looking at trying to not burn these uh, these three, three and four uh, young starters out, piling up their innings uh, who could be on the horizon in terms of the veteran uh, injured pitchers that are, are back as well. Yeah, he was, uh, you know, pretty encouraging. Uh, Antonetti was on, uh, you know, on uh, Bieber and uh, and uh, uh, <laughs> Tristan. Yeah, Tristan McKenzie. Uh, they're both out to throwing, you know, 120 feet in their long toss programs. Uh, you know, like he said earlier in the week, uh, last week, I should say, uh, you know, they should be. The next step will be, you know, bullpens. But yet, if there's no setbacks, you know, and, and they continue at this pace. Uh, he expects them to be ready, you know, to be able to pitch in big league games in September. He, you know, he didn't say how long they'd be able to pitch, how many innings they'd be able to pitch, what their pitch count would be. But at their current, uh, you know, kind of uh, progression, they should be able to help out in September. Yeah, that would take some of the burden off of the younger guys uh, as as well. Uh, all right. I want to remind our, our listeners uh, about subtext. It's our subscription uh, update service. Uh, via a text message. Uh, you can subscribe for $3.99 a month uh, and get text messages from myself and Hoinsey all throughout the week uh, updating you on uh, Guardians roster moves, what we think of uh, the lineups and, you know, where they are uh, in terms of, uh, you know, they're, they're chasing down the Twins and, uh, you know, everything that happens off the field and all the, the things that surround the team uh, as well. Uh, you can subscribe by going to cleveland.com slash subtext or by sending a text message to 216-208-4346 uh, to, to join subtext. To a great uh, community there, and we'd love to have you uh, be a part of the Guardians uh, subtext uh, community. Uh, as far as this weekend goes, uh, lots went on, lots happened, uh, lots uh, to talk about, uh, starting with, uh, Miguel Cabrera's uh, final series in Cleveland, and uh, he sort of went out with a bang. Uh, you know, I, I believe he, he singled in his last at bat on Sunday, uh, but before that, he was he was gifted with. Uh, of course, it was a guitar. Uh, <laughs> they gave him a guitar on the field in a pregame ceremony on Sunday. Uh, it, it was a who has a guitar with their own picture on it. I mean, that's kind of <laughs> weird. They give him a guitar with his with a picture of himself on it. That's uh, kind of a neat thing, but did you did you notice the little interaction between uh, Jose Ramirez and um, Miguel Cabrera uh, when they presented him with the guitar? Uh, Miggy sort of took a step back and squared up like he was kind of uh, playfully uh, shadow boxing with uh, with Jose, and and Jose immediately shut it down. Did you did you see that? He was like, no, yeah, no, no, don't yeah. don't do that, don't do that. He wanted uh, nothing you know, to do with that. I mean, uh, Jose seemed for for all the bluster and all of the you know whatever with Tim Anderson not apologizing to Jose about anything, not accepting Jose's apology. Jose seems genuinely like embarrassed about this. This this you know he doesn't want this to be a part of who he is. Uh, that tells me right. Uh, all you need to know about Jose Ramirez and Tim Anderson 
is that, you know, when presented with an opportunity to joke around about it, Jose just shut it down. Yeah, that's a good point, Joe. You know, and, and, uh, you know, Cabrera is always messing around. He's that kind of guy, you know, and he's always, he's like a big, like a big grizzly bear or something. You know, he's always kind of poking you and like, you know, trying to get a rise out of you. And, uh, but, uh, you know, like you said, Jose wanted nothing to do with that. I thought he might El Cabong him or something with the guitar. (laughs) Yeah, well, I, I mean, it's a it's an accurate description of uh, Cabrera as a, a, a grizzly bear, I guess, because you know earlier on in, earlier in his career he would just eat your heart out as a as an opposing player, uh, and now he's just more uh, more playful a little bit. Uh, uh, the interactions with Jose Ramirez when when Jose would get to first base and Miggy would be over there uh, were were classic, uh, a lot of fun, uh, good to see. Uh, and and you really got to you really got to honor this guy because he's he's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer without without a doubt over 500 home runs over 3100 hits. Uh, this is a guy who you know was just uh, and 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 he did uh, build a lot of his career uh, later in his career on uh, against Cleveland. You know just really sort of uh, you know tearing it up against Cleveland pitching and uh, you know doing pretty much whatever he wanted in the batter's box. Oh my goodness. He, like Chris Antonetti said, uh, yesterday, he told reporters, he, I, he gave me many sleepless nights, you know, after watching Cabrera, you know, kind of <laughs> just, you know, really take advantage of Cleveland pitching. Yeah, Joe, I remember one time talking to Corey Kluber, uh, about, uh, facing Cabrera and Cabrera had hit like two home runs off him and he had a monster series. And I asked Kluber, well, how do you get this guy out? You know, and Kluber, you know, the man, a few words goes, you're talking to the wrong guy. (laughs) He he just, nobody could get the guy out. It was unbelievable. They were intentionally walking him in the first inning, Joe. And instilled it. And he still beat him. It was, it was unbelievable when he was in his prime, you know, triple crown winner, uh, he was, he was a monster, probably the best, you know, the best right-handed hitter I've, I've seen. Yeah. It, it, as far as an, an, an opposing right-handed hitter, uh, you got to put him up there with like, with guys like Edgar Martinez and, uh, you know, Albert Pujols is just guys that you couldn't put a pitch up there that they couldn't do something with. Uh, and if, if you were pitching to him, you were hoping that they got themselves out. Uh, you know, you hope that Cabrera would get himself out more than, you know, you really have a chance to get him out. Uh, you, rarely would you ever see him overwhelmed in the batter's box. Uh, later in his career, you, you would see it more a little bit, you know. Yeah. But obviously, like now, he's definitely not the same kind of hitter. But, you know, he's still, you go back to the opening day a couple of years back, and, you know, he still had the ability to, to surprise you every once in a while, hit that home run in the snow off of Shane Bieber, and it was like, uh, you know, there's, there it is. That's, that's the old Miggy that you, you remember. He showed flashes of it. So, uh, you know, definitely right to honor him and, and, uh, you know, but you can't honor him uh, fast enough, you know, quickly, just, just uh, take it, take your flowers and go. Yeah, <laughs> it's, right. it's been nice, but just no more. We don't, we don't want to get out of town. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we, we will drive you to the airport, sir. Thank you. Uh, you know, a lot of fun there. Uh, you, and you want to talk about, uh, you know, great right-handed hitters. Uh, obviously, on Saturday, we had the opportunity to, to sit in with uh, Manny Ramirez and enjoy 20 minutes of probably one of the best, uh, you know, pregame interviews that we've had the opportunity to see in a while. Uh, Manny Ramirez holding court 
before his induction into the Guardians Hall of Fame. Uh, it was it was a sight to behold and a lot of fun. It was Joe. He was he was on his game, man. He was ready, man. And uh, he came in wearing sunglasses. <laughs> you know, I wondered what the heck is going on. But he, but he took the sunglasses off, started smiling, started talking, uh, answered every question. It, it was a blast. It, it was good to see him. And uh, he seems like uh, very he's really happy. It seemed to me, Joe, didn't it seem like to you like he's in, yeah. in a good spot? He sat down, he he loosened up his Dolce & Gabbana tie, and you knew that it was sort of on. He sort of took this posture like, like okay, let's go, let's bring it on. He he sort of sat back and, and was ready for anything. And, and yeah, he did give off a vibe like he was... He was content and, and sort of at peace. And, and he was even asked about the, the Cooperstown Hall of Fame. He was asked about, you know, Manny, you're not in Cooperstown. Is is that something that bothers you? And and he said, no, you know, right now, uh, you know, he, he talked about God. He talked about his place in the universe and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> uh, but, you know, he said, uh, I'll, I'll get there one day. I, I, I'm, I, I know I deserve to be there. And uh, you know, we really didn't, uh, drill down on, on steroid stuff because that didn't really happen when he was in Cleveland. That wasn't a part of who Manny was in Cleveland. Uh, so, you know, that's, that's later in his career and that's sort of, you know, out there, but, but you could tell, uh, you know, he, he talked directly to the, the fans of Cleveland and he said, Hey, no matter how many times I screwed up, no matter how many, how many mistakes I made, you guys stood by me. And I thought that was a real, uh, important and special moment in, in his speech. You know, he said he was going to talk from the heart and he did. Yeah. And it was really nice. He, you know, he thanked Mike Hargrove was there. who's was a member of the hall of fame, uh, the Cleveland hall of fame. He thanked Mike for being his manager. He thanked Terry Francona, uh, for being his manager in Boston. And I, they kind of butted heads in Boston a couple of times. So, you know, that, I thought that was a good move, but you know, the fans loved them. And, uh, you know, he was short and sweet, and uh, it was just really nice to see him come back and, uh, you know, get get the honor he deserved. Uh, you know, I, I'm still not sure if he'll get in the Hall of Fame, Joe, uh, the the Cooperstown Hall of Fame. I think he's got a, what, he's got about four years, three or four years of eligibility left for the, uh, from the writers. So we'll have, we'll have to see how that goes. But maybe down the road, a veterans committee will put him in. Yeah, I think that's uh, more along the route that that he's going to have to take just by the the way the votes trend uh, there. Uh, you're right. His speech was uh, short and sweet and to the point. Uh, it was definitely shorter than uh, Carlos Baerga getting the crowd <laughs> whipped into a frenzy. Uh, Baerga, obviously, his teammate uh, for, for a few years there. And, uh, you know, he presented him for induction uh, before he put the, the blue blazer on. It was it was uh, it was fun to see. Uh, Carlos, get everybody going and, you know, talk about just what a great player, what a great teammate uh, Manny was and how hard he worked. Uh, and, and you know, that was something that I think a lot of people sort of overlook is, you know, this guy knew one thing and it was hitting and he did everything uh, to make himself a, a great hitter. He show up at, at 10 a.m. And, and work and then go home and then come back to the park and, and work and then play a game. Uh, this was his his life when he was in Cleveland was, you know, go out there and find ways to hit the baseball. And, and he certainly did that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, kind of I remember like I, I we were talking about this at the press conference, you know, when Travis Fryman came over uh, from the Tigers. 
uh, came over to Cleveland and he had, uh, you know, he had always looked at Manny. This is when the, you know, the, the guardians or the, the Indians were, would always beat up the tigers and, it, and, it, and, and Freeman, uh, Fryman would look at Manny and just say, God, this guy is so talented, so natural. You know, it drove him crazy, just like he was a natural talent. But when he got here, you know, when he got and saw how hard Manny worked, you know, in the cages, in the weight room, studying video, it, you know, the light went on and you appreciated him much more as a player. Yeah, that was, uh, you know, a nice moment in that press conference. I also, uh, you know, I asked Manny about, uh, you know, the, the Manny being Manny stuff. And yeah, it's, a yeah. phrase, it's a phrase that gets thrown around there a lot. And he he sort of stopped and, and he, he, he was ready for it. I felt a little ambushed by Manny actually uh, in that press conference because he looked at me and he said, I want to ask you, you know, what is Manny being Manny? And, and obviously I'm not going to, you know, poke the bear there. I'm not going to, you know, but I started to bring up some of the situations that were examples of sort of Manny being Manny things. Uh, I mentioned how, you know, he, he once approached you and Sheldon uh, Ocker about, uh, yeah, you know, floating yeah. him alone for, for motorcycles, I, things like that. And, and Manny, he, he said, you know, I, th- those were, we were young, we were 21 years old. We didn't know what money was, was like. And, and, uh, I, you know, it, it was, he was ready for that, uh, that question. And I think, uh, he wanted somebody to ask it of him so that he could, he could give that response. Uh, but I think the highlight for me personally was, uh, you know, as he's walking out the door, he, he stopped and he, you know, after 30 years of covering him, he he, he actually he stopped and had a nice moment with you and, uh, you know, sort of gave you a handshake, put his hand on your shoulder, said, Hoinsey, you know, you're, you're doing a great job. Yeah, yeah. Man, he said, when are you going to retire, you old goat? <laughs> yeah. It's pretty much it's pretty much word for word what he said. Yeah. So we're all said everybody in the room just sort of busted out laughing because it's great. You know, I mean, your job was to chase after him for for seven years in that clubhouse and 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 try and get a, a quote out of him. And and he probably said more to you in in those five minutes uh, post at the, after that interview on uh, Saturday uh, than he did the entire seven years he was in Cleveland. Oh, for sure, Joe. I mean, that's that's the most English I've heard Manny talk in uh, you know the, since I covered him. I mean, he was great. He was like, and I knew he you know I knew he spoke English well. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd heard him on, you know, I'd heard him do it on interviews and other interviews and stuff. But he was he was in his element. Uh, on a Saturday. It was, it was great to see. And, and then the best part is he gets to the door as he's walking out onto the, the service level to go get on a, a golf cart and, and, and go to his next stop. He stops. He, he looks back into the room. He puts his hands up and he goes, it's Manny being Manny. And he walks out. <laughs> it was, it was like a mic drop moment. It was, it was perfect. Uh, you know, it was so much fun to, to see him and, uh, to see all the uh, the great, uh, you know, legends of, of Cleveland baseball, you know, Kenny Loft and Dennis Martinez were there uh, during this weekend. Uh, Carlos Baerga was there. Charlie Nagy. Yeah. Uh, Sandy Alomar on the field helping helping Manny put the, the jacket on. It was it was special. And, uh, you know, I, I think fans got a, a real kick out of it. And and Manny certainly seemed to to appreciate it as well. Uh, so a lot, lots of fun. Uh, th- there was uh, moments on the field after he was inducted uh, where Manny was talking to uh, Jose Ramirez. Uh, Manny's sons were on the field uh, and, you know, people were were mistaking them for Francisco Lindor because they, they, they both had that sort of uh, Lindor Mohawk hair sort of thing going. 
but they were, uh, you know, posing for pictures with Miguel Cabrera and with Jose Ramirez. Uh, Oscar Gonzalez came up and, and said hi to Manny and, and you know, talked to him. So uh, it was fun to see all of that. Uh, certainly uh, a nice moment in a in a tough weekend and a tough series for the Guardians, and it's only going to get tougher uh, as as they welcome the Dodgers uh, coming up this week. Yeah, for sure. I liked uh, how he called uh, Jose Ramirez little Manny, but he, and then there was a pause, and he goes, "But I'm big Manny." Like we we <laughs> didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, we we know exactly what the Ramirez pecking order is uh, in, in Cleveland right now, but. But I'll tell you what, uh, by the time all is said and done, uh, I think Jose Ramirez uh, still has the chance to be the biggest Ramirez in uh, in Cleveland history. Uh, he could he could rewrite all of the record books. He just won't won't have done it in the same way that Manny did it with the the presence that he had in the the batter's box. Uh, it's it's more of a, a total game for Ramirez and a you know a, a five tool approach as opposed to you know, Manny just being the the pure hitter and the pure power that we saw uh, for so long uh, there at the corner of Ontario and, and Carnegie. Yeah, for sure. He's going to need, Jose's going to need a little help. Hopefully they get it <laughs> to him sometime next, over the winter. Jose certainly doesn't have the uh, the kind of lineup that Manny was able to hit in, uh, you know, when he, you know, starting out the, the seventh and eighth hitter in that lineup and then working yeah. his way up uh, as well. All right, Hoynes, that's going to wrap it up for an off-day edition of the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. We'll be back uh, Tuesday morning to preview the Dodger series and get you ready for uh, another week of Guardians baseball here. Uh, we'll talk to you then. All right, Joe.